Welcome to Making Noise, Making Moves, a podcast series created for Noise Moves Youth Dance Festival 2021. Today, we are joined by Larry Kegwin, a native New Yorker, choreographer, and curator. His work has been performed on stages including the Kennedy Center, the Joyce Theater, Works in Progress at the Guggenheim, and New York City Center, to name but a few. His commissions include Lynn Paul Taylor's American Modern Dance, Royal New Zealand Ballet, the Martha Graham Dance Company, New York Choreographic Institute, the Juilliard School, in addition to being choreographer-in-residence at Vale Dance Festival. Welcome, Larry. This is quite an accolade of credits, and we haven't even mentioned all of them. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> so tell us, what would you credit as the driving force behind your successful career? My parents. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm thinking that's the case. I grew up in a very supportive family and my parents, although they did not make their careers in the creative arts, they lived their lives very creatively. And um, wonderful, my father had wonderful hobbies and was always um, creating something. And my mother is um, German and disciplined. And um, so she sort of was the disciplinarian in the house. So I really do credit that that, that marriage of discipline and uh, creative as being a driving force for me. So that kind of falls in line with what I was thinking about you, the feeling that I, I get from you about, you know, being quite driven as a child or as a young person. And, um, and then being driven then again, if you're surrounded by a, in a creative home and that desire to dance um, and that having that kind of support from your parents as well, that there is probably that freedom as well to just go after things and just that there were no barriers mm -hmm. that you couldn't get around to dance or to, to explore. Right. And I sometimes frame it as I was the gotta dance kid. Like I just had to. And, you know, I think we gravitate towards things that we excel at. And it became clear to me probably around in middle school, say seventh grade, however, old you are at 10, 11, that yeah. I could dance, right? And so I, I don't even know if I was driven really, more I was passionate and passionate. I yeah. latched onto something that felt good on my body, right? And, yeah. and before I realized I could dance, I was always physically curious, you know, okay. performing gymnastics routines outside on the front lawn for passing cars or- Love it you know, try, testing my balance, testing my jump, testing um, all sorts of physical um, curiosities. And then um, when dance came along, it was really just something that I felt good at. Yeah, that's lovely. And and at that time, say when you're doing all of um, the gymnastics and testing your jump and that, were you taking dance classes at that time or was it just, no, I, your body the, just I, felt right doing it? Yeah, no, I, I didn't start taking a professional dance class probably until I was around 16. Okay. And um, then it was like a really quick snowball going downhill. You know, I just quick, it quickly uh, picked up steam yeah. and um, one class led to four, led to, you know, six classes a week extracurricular after my um, high school. Yeah. And I, again, credit my mother for driving me to those classes, Wonderful. you know, yeah. And I grew up kind of in not rural Long Island, but the closest dance studio was an hour away. So it, the time commitment that my mother gave, and I'm one of four boys. So, you know, I was just one of 
one of four and she gave many hours to just getting me to class. She wasn't a stage mom or what in the United States we like to call a um, studio rat or a studio yeah. mom. <laughs> she was, um, she dropped me off and I studied and then she picked me up. And without that, um, I wouldn't have drive or ambition. So Larry, this really ties into a lot that I was looking at in terms of your work and um, you're known for your vibrant and witty work that embodies style and heart. How much of this plays a role when you're working with young dancers? Oh, uh, to, to me, the art that I create and the, uh, the climate of a studio really, I hate to say it, but goes back to the personality, right? So, so much of what we create is an extension of who we are. And so much of who we are is an extension of how we're raised or, you know what I mean? And who our parents are and who our siblings and our friends are. So all of those influences um, come into the studio. When I come into the studio, I bring my complete history of experiences into the studio. All the choreographers I worked with, I bring a little bit of them into the studio. But the one thing that I do always like to bring into the studio is this idea of creative play, that we are in the sandbox together and we are gonna let go of judgment and invite in a sense of curiosity. And so I think once I set that tone, um, it allows for the students to feel um, extra free, uninhibited, and um, and I find it to be very, very rewarding because I'm collaborating with them so much that I need them to be in a safe space. Yeah, and I was I was looking at the project that you did um, with Juilliard students, and there was a comment there as well about. Um, when I'm interested in that, very interested in that program or that that project that you did with them, it was, it was wonderful. And um, especially during COVID, you know, we all have to learn to work in different ways. But that was one of the comments that one of the students made there was about we had a role in that as well and that it was true collaborative being equals as well, and that they have a voice, but that you give that to them as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the whole thing. Like, yeah, I'm really interested in hearing more about your work as an educator and approach to fostering the individual creative voices in the young dancers. At what time did that kind of develop or was that always your way and your voice? Because I guess when you're dealing with young, with young people that are, they're really open, aren't they as well? And how you sort of know how to develop a framework that's right for them because everyone's developing at different stages. So how that framework and those parameters sometimes need to shift. Yeah, I think the framework actually came from when I was a dancer. Mm-hmm. And I sort of framed my creative process uh, in the frame of which that I enjoyed as a dancer, right? Yeah. So when I was a dancer, I was, um, I enjoyed very collaborative processes. I enjoyed creating vocabulary for the whoever was creating a dance. I enjoyed having a say. I wasn't a dancer that enjoyed being told what to do from A to Z. And I also wasn't a dancer that enjoyed being a tree or uh, an inanimate object. I enjoyed being a dancer who was Larry Kegwin with a face and a personality and an and a authentic voice. And so I, when I approach creating, I, I treat the dancers like I'm a dancer in the room. Lovely. Like I give them the yeah. process that I wanted as a dancer, yeah. right? I create dances for people who are people. Yeah, <laughs> lovely, humans, absolutely. Right? And I very quickly caught on um, with a bunch of commissions under my belt. I realized that um, that w- was what was the secret ingredient for me in the studio 
was getting dancers to um, generate very freely. Yeah, that's great. Because I was wondering about that, about how much of your development as a dance artist and your experience as well then plays an influence or has an influence and inspires you to work with other dancers as well. And that whole thing about how your past influences your present as well, which is really, yeah, which is really great. Mm -hmm. I'd love to hear actually more about Mark Dendy and his role in your career. Yeah, so I went to Hofstra University 1990 to 1994. I, during those years, I auditioned to be a scholarship student at the American Dance Festival in Durham and also the Bates Dance Festival in Maine. And one summer I went to both those festivals back to back. It, it so happened that Mark Dendy was also a, was a choreographer at both of those festivals. He, he had his eye on me as a dance artist. And um, I would say by the time we got to like the ninth week of that summer, he definitely was watching me imp- improvise in classes and took a liking to my dancing. And then I, I think like months after graduating university, he asked me to work with him on a duet. The two of us made a duet, Afternoon of the Fawns, yeah. where we played um, a mirror image of Nijinsky to like sort of dueling uh, Nijinsky's. And from there, um, he gave me such, he trusted me, right? He, he trusted my my artistic voice, the how I was generating dance moves. He, with the trust, he gave me responsibility. And with that sense of responsibility, I was able to build confidence. I was able to spread my wings a little bit, right? Fast forward years later, he said, I'd like for you to choreograph a solo to this song, um, Ain't No Sunshine by Bill Withers, which we heard, we were warming up for a performance one night and one of the stage crew was playing it over the speakers. And he says, you're gonna choreograph a solo to this. I said, I said, great. And the next day I did. And then a month later, he put it on a program at the Joyce Theater in New York. And so he gave me the gift of showcasing my work. And then that sort of allowed other people to see me as a choreographer, right? And, and then, you know, months later or a year later, other, other um, commissions started coming in. It's a big pivotal moment in that time of your life. You know, do you ever see in young dancers as well that this isn't a moment in time for them? And, and that whole thing about being ready as well, right? You need, you see it in them, but are they ready within themselves? And, and how is it then that you give them that platform? Yeah, I think it's all um, small steps until you see someone's ready for a bigger step, right? And um, I do, I do see myself in, in many younger dancers. And what I really like to see is them getting older, <laughs> just so that <laughs> for there's some reason about seeing, like having an, a young dancer that I work with and watch them get older, <laughs> that um, I don't know if this is negative, but it brings me so much joy to see that like, oh, they must be understanding that they're not completely um, able to do everything. But, you know, if I if I like the way someone is generating vocabulary, that's mm. a step forward. If I like that they're taking the initiative to handle my accounting, that's a step forward. Mm. If I like that they're early to the rehearsal studio, that's a step forward. Yeah. You know, there are so many ways to show that you are responsible and curious again as a dance artist that will um, endear yourself to a 
choreographer. And um, so anyone who helped me out along the way, it's not just the, the choreographers I worked for, but to help me out along the way. Mm. I felt a, a, um, a need and a desire to help them, you know? Yeah. And so I would, I would ask them to assist me on projects or have them, co- you know, work on commissions, you know? And a large part of that is whose personality is vibing with mine. You have to, you have to have the talent. Yes. The discipline. Yes. But there has to be a, 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 compa- a compatible working relationship. Yeah. And that played a huge part. And I, and I would pass the baton. I wouldn't always have just one assistant. Like if I had four commissions in a year, I would try to have a different associate on each of those. Um, so there was, I tried to be fair as well. Yeah. And, and I mean, that's, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Huge learning for a developing artist to be part of a commissioning project like that as well. I mean, the amount that you learn from yourself and then from the other dancers as well that are in that um, in that rehearsal space with you as well in that setting. I mean, just living through osmosis or, you know, just yeah, I hate a huge to... learning. And there's it's it's almost as if this is awful, but it's almost as if you're always auditioning without knowing it. Oh, yeah. Because my yeah. eye is always on who is ready to advance, right? And that audition... It could be for an assistant, could be for choreographing the next gig. Um, mm-hmm. And then if, 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 I, if I give someone an opportunity and I don't like, I don't like, I'm not happy with how it played out, then I just consider it a test drive and it didn't work out. But that is like losing an, losing an audition. Absolutely. And I guess it's that whole thing of it's not just about showing up, but it's about how you show up, how you're applying yourself. Yeah, famous saying showing showing up is half the battle. (laughs) It is, it is. And then what you do, what you do after it. You have a fantastic career. And would you see yourself as a role model for young male dancers? Oh my gosh. I mean, I would love to think of my career or how I've approached my career to be um, inspiring to younger dancers. I think that's wonderful. And, you know, they, I can see that happening sometimes. I think a lot, most often I'm working very fast. And um, so I don't enjoy all the little moments, you know, but there, there are young artists and young male dancers who have asked, you know, can you choreograph my senior project? And, um, you know, I know that's because they're taking a liking to what we are producing and, and yeah. how, and what's the climate in this, in the studio. Um, I'm sure I'm having an impact and making an impression on the younger dancers. It's hard to recognize that and even say it right now. Yeah, yeah, well. Um, but yeah. you know, my, my partner the other day, we were reading an obituary and it was a vocal coach for some Broadway uh, singers who had just died. And in one of their Tony did nothing but express all this gratitude towards this vocal coach and it made the New York Times obituary. And Chris, my partner turns to me because they're gonna say that about you it went in your obituary, you know, I'm like, oh, that is so sweet. But who wants to think of their obituary? <laughs> so the question of the impact you have on younger dancers is almost like coming from the perspective of death. <laughs> but it's like whole growing, you know, you're growing together. And I think that you, you know, you said as well, like you learn from each other as well. And I just love as well that, you know, that you learn from yourself and how you worked and how that works for them as well. Yeah, and I'm um, I'm I'm 48. I'm gonna be I'm gonna turn 49 this week. So the big 5-0 is a year away. Not I'm not 
concerned about it, but it, it does give me some pause to say, what's the next direction of my uh, life, right? And I, I love commissions, I love creating, mm-hmm. but I've done a lot of it and I'm grateful and I want more of that. I yeah. want that, but I also feel a need and a desire to give back and to, um, whether it's philanthropically or um, mentoring, I, I currently am on the alumni association of my college and um, sit on a few other boards. And that to me is just as rewarding now. I was gonna ask you about the mentoring actually, and about um, what do you feel that young dancers need in terms of mentorship the most at the moment? Oh my gosh, I mean, well, we've, we're in the middle of a global pandemic, so yeah. that's very complicated and loaded question, but I would imagine that they need hope. Yeah, okay, yeah. They need a sense of relief and a sense of looking towards the forward as something that they can, be, the future, looking to, to the future as something that they can believe in and that will provide for them and will give them security. I mean, there is just so much uncertainty. It's just unbelievable. It's, it's, it's already uncertain to graduate university or to try embark on a dance career at any age. And there's just tremendous uncertainty. And then, you know, compounded by so much more uncertainty. So they need something that's certain. (laughs) I think that that piece that you, the the Juilliard piece last year, Mm -hmm. that was a lovely piece. It was a, it was, entertaining it was beautiful it was artistically driven it showcased like it just showed so much diversity um showed the talent of the dancers and and what is that then working with what is that like working in this new capacity in this new realm the bolero juilliard uh video um so yeah, Bolero Juilliard came two weeks after lockdown. The president of the university, the school had asked me to create something with him collaboratively with the school about that community. And I had been working with communities to Ravel's Bolero for some years. I thought that that would be an appropriate project. And then we, everyone quickly got on board. It was highly collaborative. Um, every department at Juilliard was invested in it and passionate about it. And um, so that was a very quick pivot to Zoom. I had never been on Zoom before, just like everybody, you know. So we quickly navigating Zooms, quickly learning how to how to how to navigate a storyboard, how to file all these clips, and then I realized, oh, we can also record on iPhones. Um, it was an all-consuming four-week project where where you lose your sense of time because you're so passionate and you're enjoying yourself so much and yeah phone rings and patty lapone's on the phone and so i mean it was just bordering euphoric i think for something like that you said it's a four week that's nearly like four weeks in a rehearsal room rehearsal studio of something that you're you're gonna go for four weeks can be pretty tight but if you have everyone every day for that period of time you can get through it and it's just that rush and then plus when you're on zoom you're learning this whole new platform and how is this going to work and piecing it all together it was so well done and it's just Mm -hmm. it's an example then of of the future and dancers and you working with young dancers as well and saying like, this is what the future looks like, this is what we can do. There's no, again, it's just like the passion is is driving and propelling everything, um, yeah. which is- Yeah, you, you just nailed it. It was the adrenaline rush of being creative 
combined with the adrenaline rush of just tremendous change yeah. and also comforted by a knowledge that we were doing it together. And so there was something soothing about having that camaraderie at that moment, yeah. even if it was through the computer, that and we I, were all in it together. Yeah, and it goes back to what you're saying as well about having let them have a voice and having um, their artistic input. And at that point in time, it was really important to be that yeah. much more together. Well, I knew that the Zoom rehearsals, we would, we didn't know yet what the bandwidth was on Zoom, like in terms of attention span. But what I did know is if we were in an hour and a half rehearsal, I knew it had to be fun, yeah. right? Only not just because of the climate of the world, but also because this, this our attention spans on Zoom are not great. And uh, so I knew again quickly that the Zoom room was a studio and that it had to be very playful because I needed them to improvise <laughs> and I needed them to feel safe. And it was, we had, we had so many laughs, you know, and then, um, then we would get out of the, we would close the rehearsal and Nicole, my associate and I would be the two left on the zoom and we would cry, you know, because there was the emotion of, yeah. we didn't know what, what was happening. No, no. We didn't know how long this was going to last. And yeah. we were all just living so on the edge. Yeah. And Nicole, my associate, was um, slowly moving her family from New York to Montana. So all, okay. you know, imagine four weeks of Zoom also traveling, you know, and, and I was calling in from Oklahoma, you know, where I was quarantining. Um, so it was a bonding experience. And I will, I will tell you, once it was all finished and the editor, who was tremendous, Paulina, um, once she finished the edits, and it was released and we understood that it was a, it was a meaningful work of art. Um, I had such a sense of relief. I was, I kept thinking, I don't need to create another thing. I don't need to, I've really done it all. I've done it all now. <laughs> Not that I've done it all, but I just felt like no. it's okay. You know, like if I don't, yeah. if I can top that or, um, and so now I'm, I'm yeah. sorry, I'm working so much. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, it was a tremendous experience experience like it was it's wonderful to watch and you can just you can tell that it was a wonderful experience because it came together and it, it's come together as a whole complete piece that is evocative it's emotional there's so much in it um i have one more question for you go for it what is important to you to pass on to young dancers i and i sound like a broken record but i think it's important um to maintain a sense of play and curiosity Right, because otherwise it's just going to become dull and um, tedious, or like work, you know. And yeah, I guess the my overall experience in the studio is that magic happens when it's not work, and um, and that's something I, I hope the younger generation that I've worked with um, would enjoy. <laughs> that's lovely. Thanks, Larry. Thank you. So, like, times. so it is at noon and Olin and I can do four o'clock. So that was the little. <laughs> oh, oh, right. Yeah. No, it's okay. Mm -hmm. That's such a nightmare. But... Why can't we all be on the same clock? <laughs> it's so crazy. It, it is crazy. It is crazy. It'd be dark at the wrong time though. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. <laughs>
yeah. some of us don't sleep, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah, what time All is right. it there now? Uh, dinner time. What time is it? It's like five. Six. Five, oh. yeah. Yeah, yeah, All right, yeah. well, go enjoy your um, dinner and I will yeah, see you, you on the enjoy your lunch. Yeah. Thank you so much, Larry. It's always Thank you, Larry. Be well. Take care. Chat soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening today. Making Noise, Making Moves is part of the Noise Moves Youth Dance Festival for 2021. Noise Moves is a part of Noise Dublin, the youth arts program of South Dublin County Arts Office. The festival is funded by the South Dublin County Council and the Arts Council of Ireland with support from Dance Ireland and Creative Ireland, partnerships with Contact Studios and Music Generation Studio, and the festival is sponsored by Dance World. Follow us on social media at Noise Moves, and please subscribe to our YouTube channel to see our latest pieces of work.